if you have, if you have your Bible, just turn it to your favorite scripture, and we'll start there. How's that? I hope you all have one. We are, we are going to start in First uh, John chapter four, verse eight, and I uh, we're entering into a season, the Christmas season. Uh, you can always tell when it starts. Cracker Barrel's got all this stuff up, and uh, Pam is shopping madly. And instead of an hour getting in and out of the Cracker Barrel, it takes us two hours. But uh, I know it's going to be expensive when you go to Cracker Barrel at Christmas time. They always have new ornaments. I don't know how many new ornaments a tree can take, but ours is overloaded. I know that. But uh, this is a season of God's unfailing love. And God's love never fails. But it's also a season where many people have a difficult time. And it's because of things they've been through in their past and family situations. And maybe you're here and maybe it's like that for you. For many years in my life, Christmas was really one of the most difficult times. Um, I had gone through a divorce uh, just prior to Christmas, separation many, many years ago. And so Christmas was always a hard time for me. How many of you, I'm describing some things in your life, that Christmas is a difficult time for you? Can I see your hands? Because uh, we're going to pray for you before this service is over. But, uh, but it was always a difficult time for me. Now, I didn't know the Lord back during that area of my life, so that just compounded things, and the enemy was always there trying to make me feel bad about myself and, and doing an excellent job. The enemy will always do an excellent job of making you feel bad about yourself, and, and I really did. And I didn't understand the true meaning of Christmas because I wasn't saved. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but I didn't understand God's love. And I didn't understand the, the real meaning of life, the real meaning of Jesus, the real meaning of what the holiday was all about. Uh, you know, thank God for family and thank God for gifts and all of those things. But the meaning of the season is all about Jesus and the love that God had for each one of us, a love that would never fail. And I, and, and I remember after I got saved, I, I, I knew something was different in my life. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? You know something happened differently. But I didn't understand unconditional love. I didn't understand what it meant to be loved without any condition whatsoever. I knew I didn't love myself that way. And, and I didn't think necessarily that other people loved that way. And I didn't really even understand it. And then God brought me an answer to prayer when I prayed and asked for a wife. And he brought me my wife Pam out of nowhere. And it was, uh, it, it was a, a beautiful thing that happened when we came together. And for the first time, I began to experience unconditional love in a person. And, uh, and I'll always be grateful for what God did by giving me a wife. Even to this day, with her unconditional love, I sometimes shake my head and think, how I don't, I don't know that I could do what you do sometimes in some of the situations. But in, when you understand the love of God and you let that love flow through you, let that love heal you, let that love change you, then you're ready to be used by God. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to be ready to be used by God. And he wants you instant, in season, and ready to go 
to love people everywhere that you go. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says that God is love, and that if we love, it's because of the love of God that is in us. He who does not love doesn't know God, for God is love. Now let's all say this, God is love. So if we are created in the image of Almighty God, which we are, then that love is in us through the presence of God. And that in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that you and I are to be imitators of God as dear little children and love people everywhere that we go. And that, so therefore, our mission on this earth is to love everybody. Have you found out, like I have found out, some people are just a little bit more difficult to love than others? And, and guess what? God is going to send a whole bunch of those. By the way, where is Tim? Is there, is there Tim here? Tim, give Tim. Tim, I know this is awkward, but stand up and we want to give you a hand. Everybody give Timothy a hand. We're glad you're here, Timothy. You can be seated. It's good to see you. I want to share with you. Uh, it might make me cry. But uh, Sandy came into my office the other day, and she said, there's a guy out here you want to talk to. And I, now, I'm just being very transparent with you. This was my thought. No, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm busy being busy doing the Lord's work. And I don't particularly want to be interrupted. Could you feel it or not when you walked in? Yeah, Okay. And, she's, and, I, and I said, ah, why? And she said, well, I just think you might want to talk to him. All right. So I didn't have the best attitude in the world, Tim, okay? I didn't have the best attitude in the world until I met you, until we talked. And uh, he told me some of his story. And it penetrated my heart. And he rededicated. Did you rededicate your life to Jesus, or did you give your life to Jesus for the first time? For the first time. I could have missed it. I could have missed it. He could have got out, got in the car and drove down the road and ran into a pig and never had he turned. <laughs> but we can all get busy sometimes doing what we think is important and miss what is really important. Most important thing is Tim. He was sent by God, I believe, supernaturally to this church because he walked in the door and asked for directions how to get somewhere. And he found the best direction he could ever have. Can we thank God for that? I say this to you, not because of the end result, although I thank God for that, but I almost missed my assignment that day by thinking I was busy instead of realizing the most important thing is loving people. And everywhere that we go, there's somebody that needs what we have. And if we're thinking about ourselves, and well, what about this, and what about that? And, you know, you might even be thinking about good things, but it's not a God thing. When you come down the street, and you see somebody on a street corner with a sign, we'll work for food. You know we've all had different thoughts. Maybe I want to give him some money. Well, why doesn't he just get a job? Well, you know, all those kind of things. But think about this just for a moment. This happened to me the other day. 
I had a dream about one of my sons, and it really touched my heart. What if that guy holding that sign was your son? What if that guy holding that sign was your daughter? What if that person that you see that sometimes you would make a statement about was your child? You know what you do. You'd pull that car over the side of the road. You'd do whatever you could to help them, or at least you'd pray for them as you drove by them. Every, now this, every person on the face of this earth is a child of God, created in His image to live and be loved by God and to love God. You know, if you have two children in your family, you love them both. If you have six children in your family, you love them both. If you have ten children, you love them all. If you have twenty, you need to stop. <laughs> You love, you love all of your children because you know that they're created from your blood. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there, there's a, uh, an old worldly saying, I believe it's really true, blood is thicker than water. There's something about it being yours. Blood is thicker than water. Somebody else can say something about your child. No, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You can say something about your child. Somebody else better not say something about your child because blood is thicker than water. And every person on the face of the earth shares the bloodline of God through Jesus and through the birth that were created in his image. So let's all say, I am created in the image of Almighty God. And that everywhere that we go, we have the ability to share the love of God with people. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here, but, but the Bible is full of what God wants us to have. We're going to go to Mark chapter 12. It's a scripture you all know. I, I know in this church. But Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And uh, uh, the first commandment, what is the greatest commandment? And he responded with something that is so powerful. I remember that when I was a student at Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa, uh, the teacher one night, uh, Linda Turner, uh, one class, she said, now I have a homework assignment for all of you I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to get your concordance out, and I want you to read every scripture that says love, are, are a, a, a combination of the word love or what a derivative of the word love. And during that period of time, even though I knew Jesus, I did not understand unconditional love. I did not understand unconditional love, that there are no conditions and that it doesn't matter how anybody acts, that love is what makes the difference in their life and what makes the difference in our life. And I remember going home and doing that. And I don't know if the exact number, but I know that it's over five or six hundred times in the Bible that the word love or a derivative of that word is used. And when you really look it up and read every single scripture, you realize God is trying to tell us something about love. And that Jesus, when he responded to the question, he said, the greatest is this, hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one. And that you should love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And you should love your neighbor. The second is that love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Mark 12, 28 through 31. Well, I understood conditional love. When Pam and I first got married, would you say that I did not really understand unconditional love? It would be okay for you to say that. <laughs> Pam... Pam, Pam had been married for a long time, and I was attracted to her outward beauty, her inward beauty, and more importantly, something that I didn't understand, but it was her spirit and how she loved and nothing seemed to bother her. But one night, after we'd been married for a short period of time, something obviously bothered her, and it was coming from me. And I did not, I, I would love unconditionally as long as everything was going right which is a misnomer. That means you're loving conditionally. Everybody say, that's conditional love. And that's exactly what was going on. And I'll never forget this. Instead of entering into the fight and losing it with me, she said, we lived a, a, a block and a half from her sister, Chris. She said, I'm going to my sister's. I thought she meant to live. We hadn't been married that long, and I thought, there's a whole lot of places I'd go to live, but it would not be at your sister's house. But... <laughs> But anyway, I remember we finally settled the argument. But I could not make her angry with me by trying to convince her that I was wrong. She would drive me up a wall with her kindness and love when I was looking for a good fight. Can any of you relate to what I'm saying, or am I just up here all alone? Uh, and... and now, I was drawn. To, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand unconditional love. Later on, I realized what that was. That's unconditional love. That means no matter what you think, I'm going to love you. I heard Pam say this not too long ago. I am not going to let circumstances and situations change who I am. And I thought, well, hmm. I may get in for some of that because every once in a while, how many of you realize the, old, the world says, I can only be pushed so far. That's bad. Because that means when you get there, you think you have a right to do what you're about to do that you know is wrong. No, you can't be pushed too far. So everybody say, I can't be pushed too far. We have the blood of Jesus flowing through us. We have the love of God in us. So therefore, we're going to love people no matter what they do to us. We are going to love people with the love of Jesus. But what you've got to do is you've got to develop what you already have, but the love that God has for you is the love you have to have for yourself. Because if you don't have that, you can't love other people unconditionally. God loves you without conditions. So let's all say this. My God, My God loves, me, loves me, not based on how I act, not, how I act. not, conditionally, not conditionally, but He loves me, because of who he is and who I am. In other words, it doesn't matter how many messes we make. God loves us because we belong to him. We are his children. So therefore, when you have that love for yourself and you say, God, I receive that love. I'm going to love me the way you love me. Then I can love other people. If I'm driving down the road and a lady yells out pig, I'm going to slow down. <laughs> you know, this happened to me one day. 
I don't know who the lady was. I think it was a lady, but I'm not positive it was a lady. It was, I was going through Starbucks, and she cut me off. At, she, she, she was in the wrong. But I, it really didn't matter. I, and she looked at me, and I just smiled at her. And it was like, you know, it was like she was in the wrong. But anyway, what happened was she got in front of me to go through the Starbucks line. When I got up to the window, my Starbucks and my little treat was paid for. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Is I'm, I'm glad I didn't roll down my window and tell her what I thought because <laughs> really I didn't think anything bad. I was on my game that day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm on my game today. I feel like loving everybody. Some days you get up a little surly, make my day today. No, that's not the right kind of day. That is not the right kind of day. You need to go back to bed, turn over, do something, and let that love of Jesus flow through you. But when you read the Word of God, it, it is full of love. And when we're loving, th there are times when I lose it. I, and I know it. I wish I didn't, but I do. And then I look in the mirror, and it's like, oh, man, I don't even like what I see. And therefore, you're kind of you're taking yourself out of the game, you're not out there able to change people's lives. I read this in one of Norman Vincent Peale's books years ago. He said, I shoot prayers at people everywhere I go. At the time, I thought, what does that mean? What it means is basically this. You're driving down the street, and maybe you can't get to that person on the side of the road that you see, but you can pray for that person. Maybe you're driving down the street, and all of a sudden you have a thought about somebody, and that somebody has done you wrong, and God wants you to start praying for that person. God wants you to start releasing prayers for that person, speaking the Word of God over that person. We can do that anytime, anyplace, anywhere that we go. Now, in the book of John, <coughs> chapter 15, it's so powerful what Jesus said, and for years, I mean years, I have preached this on John chapter 15, and especially verse 11, talking about joy. But the whole thing is really talking about love, and how if you're full of God's love, you'll have the joy. But without the love, you won't have the joy. The joy will be conditional. And it starts out, in verse number, uh, John chapter 15, verse number 9, Jesus is saying, As the Father loved me, I also love you, and I abide in my love. Abide in my love. That means become one, to coil about and become one with. If you keep my commandments, you will abide, become one in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Listen to this. These things I have spoken to you. What has he spoken? He's talking about love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy would remain in you so that your joy would be full. Talking about love and that would get your joy full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And in verse number 17, Jesus says again, these things I command you that you love one another. So let's not say that. Boy, there's no way to tactfully blow your nose in front of the whole church. So let's all say it. Jesus has commanded me, has to, love me. to love everyone. Turn to those people all around you, front, back, sideways, just tell them, I love you with the love of Jesus. Every time 
every time my wife says to me, I love you, it just makes me feel good. I know she loves me, but I can't hear it enough. She has the same thing. The other day we had a little opportunity, right? You finally got it right. But no. we, had, we had a little opportunity, and uh, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but I didn't realize it. But every day, uh, I, I think every day, you get ready to leave, I say, I love you, and you just look beautiful today. And uh, I, t I tell her that every day. Well, we'd had this little opportunity, and uh, so a couple of days, I didn't realize it, but a couple of days had gone by, and she said, do you realize you haven't told me for the last, since you got upset with me, that you love me? So, huh. <laughs> well, I don't remember you saying you love me. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, but it was pretty close. And I said, honey, I, I love you. The whole air changed. I said, you look beautiful. It all changed. Nothing changed about what we disagreed about. Some people think that because of their personalities, it's okay to disagree and you know, be upset with one another. It's never okay because that negates the love of God. And in the beginning, I really do, this sermon is not about my wife, but, but I really do thank God <laughs> that in the beginning, she understood unconditional love. I didn't. She put up with me when she wouldn't have had to. And uh, even a daughter sitting back there, Lori, said, sends a note. We hadn't been married very long at all. Sends a note to her mom. Please don't tell Bill about this because I just hate it when he grits his teeth. <laughs> we still have the note somewhere. Glory to God. <laughs> I think I've gotten over gritting my teeth. I, don't, I, I, I hope I have. But, but when you study the Word of God about love, it will change your life. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, most of you know this scripture, but I think it's so important that we understand that everywhere that we go, there are hurting people. And you're going to see them all day long. And if you're not thinking about yourself, you're going to be thinking about, about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Part of me wanted to stay in my office the other day, and do my important work. And part of me felt a tug to come out and see this man that Sandy thought I should share. I don't know what God's going to do with the rest of your life, but I do know this, Tim. God has a specific plan for the rest of your life. And as long as you're in this Lafayette area, we're going to love on you and help you, and we're going to believe good things for you. If you need to go to another country, or another state, what country, I guess, another state, because I know he's not from here. He came from Logansport, by the way. Yeah, but, but, uh, but you had family somewhere else. And I told him, I said, if, you, if, if he needs help, we'll help him get where he wants to get. Because God's love is going to change his life. God's love changed your life. And don't ever feel bad about yourself. God wants you to feel, how many of you have children? Do you want any of your children ever to feel bad about themselves? Never. You want them to feel good about themselves. You want them to feel good about God. And that's the ability we have. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, this scripture is so powerful. It says love, uh, we're going to be reading verse number 4, talking about what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, never parades itself, or is never puffed up. 
never behaves rudely, doesn't think about itself, it's never provoked, it thinks never evil, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. We sang that earlier. Let's just say it. Love never fails. Say it again. Say it again. Now, I love my commentary on this because this is where the proverbial rubber meets the road. And it says, love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. <laughs> Glory to God. Love is kind in doing good. Love is never envious. It is never possessive or competitive. It actually wants other people to get ahead. It never parades itself around. It's not puffed up treating others with arrogance. It does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. It never seeks its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding itself in its way. It is totally unselfish. It is never irritable or touchy, but it is graceful under pressure. The more pressure you have, the more grateful and the more graceful you are to love out the people that are bringing the pressure. Not speak out, but love the people. And I guarantee you this, when people come against you, they are watching you to determine how you handle the way they're treating you. And when they realize that you're going to love them no matter what, it can change their life. And that never consider right or wrong. Everybody say, never consider right or wrong. It's all about love. You know, you can say, well, they're wrong in the way they're handling it. No, no, no. Just love them right where they are. And I want to give you these two things because they're so powerful regarding love. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, faith works through love. We know that faith is powerful and that faith pleases God, Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God, but faith works through love. And then when you look at 1 John, it's chapters 4 through 7, 4, 17 through 19, it says that, that as he is in this earth, we are to be bold. And that the love that God has given us, here it is, love has been perfected among us in this, that we would have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. What did Jesus say? He said, I abide in the Father's love and I abide in that love right now and I abide in that love while I'm here and I want you to abide in that love yourself. And then it goes on to say something so powerful. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Listen to this for people that are fearful. He who fears has not been made perfect in God's love. In other words, there's nothing to fear. The problem is not fear. The challenge that many people have 
is a lack of the understanding of God's love. That no matter what happens in your life, the love of God will make the difference. It will activate your faith. It will keep you strong. And it will keep fear out of your life. Because fear is the most, uh, love is the most powerful force we can have operating in our lives. And so now, as we're getting ready to go through this Christmas season, it's all about Jesus. Let's say, it's all about Jesus. We're not talking about presents, although there will be presents. It's not about Christmas trees. It's not about ornaments. It's not about snow. It's not about snowmen. It's all about Jesus. And when we've got that love of Jesus flowing into our lives, we flow it out to other people. And you can find the Timothys in your life because I'll tell you what. Is it Timothy or Tim? I know you go by Tim. Is it Timothy? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, because there are Tims everywhere. There are Tim. There are Tims out there for Tim to reach. Now that he's got what he's got. He may not know all that he's got, but he got a book called The Search for Significance. And I believe it's going to change his life. I believe the Bible. You got a Bible, by the way? I never asked you. You got a Bible? You do not have. Well, you got one. We, do we have any good Bibles? <laughs> Isn't that a dumb thing to say? Good Bible. We, we got, let's find them a good Bible. <laughs> You're going to have a Bible now, okay? Heather, somebody? We've got Bibles around here. Yeah. We'll have a good Bible for you before you leave. Maybe somebody take you out to lunch. You coming to the fellowship tonight? Do you have a ride? Okay. Right there, two hands. Two hands. The guy in the first row, see Andy? That's Andy. He's been out for about six months. He's okay. <laughs> let's, let's, all, let's all stand to our feet. Oh, it's good to have you guys in the house of the Lord. God's got a great, great plan for the rest of your life. Timothy, I want you to know you made my day the other day. You absolutely made my day. I want to pray for all of you. But I want to pray especially for those of you that Christmas is a difficult time. It's, it's not a bad thing to make that admission. But I spent a lot of years really struggling at Christmas. Matter of fact, when Christmas, when, when I saw the ornaments start to go up, it was just a bad thing. I just, I didn't like it. I don't feel that way anymore. But it just is very difficult. Only you who have experienced it know what I'm talking about. For those of you that have never experienced it, I thank God for your life. But if Christmas is a heavy time, they say that Christmas is nationwide one of the most difficult times for people. Uh, should be the most festive time. Christmas, Easter, the wonderful time we have. But if you're here and you say, that's me, I want you to lift your hands. We're going to pray for you. Just lift them real high because we want to see them there. Okay, now believers, look around. Not a lot of hands, but we got enough. All the way back there in the back, right behind you, Jonathan. Front row over here, all the way back in the back. Gentlemen on that back row, second row here. Middle row here, Richard. Richard, are you coming tonight? You got a ride? Okay. Okay. Is there anybody coming tonight? No, we're going to be in the middle of prayer here. It's not time for an announcement. So let's pray.
Okay, <clears throat> begin to pray for those people. Father, we do pray for each one of these. Lord, we can't change the past, but we can change that the past will not be our future and that it will not control our future and that there are days ahead to celebrate Christmas with great joy and confidence happiness that there may be scars but those scars will not determine our future we'll go forward to enjoy the beauty of the season and we speak it forth now we bind any unpleasant memories and we speak forth your love your compassion to flow in every person we pray it and we decree it in the name of Jesus. Now bow your heads with me just for a moment. I want to ask you the most important question you'll ever answer. Do you know that if your life ended today, you'd be in heaven? If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let this be that moment. If you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal child, a prodigal daughter. You know you've walked away from the things of God. Let this be the moment you come home. And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. And we're going to pray for you. Lord, you know every person here. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. Is that hand lifted right there, ushers? Can you help me? Is that hand lifted right there? Yeah, yeah. A ask that gentleman to come down here. See, yeah, right there. You lifting your hand? Yeah, give him a hand as he comes. Almost missed it. Almost missed it. I am glad that you are here with us today. God's got a wonderful life ahead for you. Is this the first time you've accepted Christ or are you coming back to the Lord? You're coming back. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands out here. We're going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're all going to join you, okay? So let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and i made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. What is your first name? Gabriel. How long have you been coming here? First time in a long time. Are you coming tonight? Um, I don't know if I'll make it tonight. Why not? I, I bowl on Sundays. Pardon? I bowl on Sundays. You bowl on Sunday? Okay. Are you good? Are you good? Okay. You got to be a good bowler. We want you to stick around. We may have a bowling team someday. Pray for them, Dan. Now, I want to pray for all the rest of you that we don't get caught up in the world system of being busy. 
And I know I've shared this several times, but Tim helped get my life back in perspective. Tim may think we helped him, and we perhaps did. Tim helped me. That's the way love works. The more love you get away, give away, the more it comes back to you. The more it changes you. So how many of you are candidates to be a better lover? <laughs> Almost sounds too sensual, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's all say it, Lord. I can do a better job loving your people. Therefore, I yield to what I already have. Your love that has set me free to go forth and set forth the world with your love. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.